It's Unscripted, the Michigan State basketball podcast on the field of 68. Card, I see that your victory glasses are not on. Uh, I've put my lost to fight shades on. So if you want to do that with me, you're welcome to. <laughs> They've disappeared. Gone. Okay. They're gone forever. Gone forever. All right. Well, uh, Cart, we're here to break down Michigan State's loss over the weekend at home to Illinois. I think both of us can agree that was by far the ugliest thing that happened to a Big Ten team this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I, the, I, I think that the first 10 minutes, first 12 minutes of that Illinois game were the ugliest thing I've seen in college basketball all year, unfortunately. Just, just absolutely inept offense. Um, no awareness defensively. Um, things, a lot of mental mistakes on the defensive end that I'm, we're going to get to in this game. Um, the, I, <laughs> the funniest thing to me is the worst part about the loss and what happened was the comments made by both players and coaches after the game. Like the press conferences were extremely telling. We'll get to those probably later in this episode, but yeah, just, just another tough game. I just don't, I can't wrap my head around the fact that we are a team that's kind of in a downward spiral right now, I would say losing four out of the last five and we have big games and we're playing good big 10 teams and we're playing at home and the Breslin's packed and we can't seem to muster up the energy to execute on the offensive end and start a game off strong. It's just, it's, it's baffling to me. All right. More than anything that happened on the court to me, what should be a terrifying sign for this program going forward is that it doesn't feel that Tom Izzo cares enough anymore. If he cared, he would be throwing punches at the Illinois coaching staff. Clearly that's what we've learned over the weekend. If your head coach cares, you are swinging on the other staff. Uh, no, I was kidding by all of this. I don't know if you caught my joke or not, but the ugliest thing the weekend was a joke at Michigan's expense, uh, and you didn't jump all over that. So if you, uh, if anyone listening to this wants to hear our full breakdown of uh, what happened in the Michigan-Wisconsin game, including me saying Jawan Howard should not be the head coach at Michigan, which I truly believe, uh, that's over on the Sleepers Media channel with a YouTube video that we just did the same morning that we're recording this. So watch that. There's also an interview with Kentucky guard Kellen Grady. But no, here, Cart, on the Field of 68, unscripted, presented by Bet Rivers, we talk about Michigan State basketball. We talk about the team that is one and four in their last five games in the month of February. But, Cart, you know what? It's February. We have to remember that. It's all right that they're one and four because it's not March. It's just February and everything will be okay. Oh, okay. I got it. Got it. Got it. So I don't even know why I even watch until March, but nah, it's, you know, I think people think like on our last episodes of unscripted and talking before that we are kind of negative down in the dumps. Um, but this isn't just like a one game off thing. Like this is a pattern now of who Michigan state basketball is. We, start games extremely slow it doesn't seem that we have the playmaking and shooting ability right now we turn the ball over um so we don't really give ourselves the best chance to win basketball games and we start off a game by letting guys like grandison get wide open threes which just doesn't seem you know as a, a like a great strategy for a guy that's shooting over 40 percent. and it's not just that we're just giving up threes we're giving up threes where 
you're, you know, just simple basketball things. You're not supposed to help off the strong side corner off the pick and roll. That's just not, that's the rules. You're not supposed to do that. We do that. Grandison gets wide open shots. Uh, we weren't even playing that bad defensively, honestly, to start the game, but it doesn't matter because we couldn't execute on the offensive end and take advantage of it. So just like a really frustrating game, we found ourselves down 12 double digits, honestly, for most of the game. Uh, if it wasn't for a Tyson Walker absolute out-of-body experience, you know, run in the second half, uh, we wouldn't even have had a chance to win that game or be in that game. But oh, it's, it's okay, don't worry. That's not going to happen again. Tyson and Izzo let us know that. You know, that's just the, that was just because of what Illinois did defensively. That's never going to happen again. Do not expect that. That's 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 off the table. Let's talk about uh, let, let's start with positives, because I think you're right. We're being overly negative. Uh, and I'm sure Michigan State fans don't necessarily want to hear that. Uh, again, if you want to hear the negativity to the rival, you can do that because we were on their ass. Uh, Michigan State, though, like I've been very anti Tyson Walker. I think I still am anti Tyson Walker in my head going into this game. I've, I've said out loud before, like, I don't know what Tyson Walker can do to make me a believer in Tyson Walker. That final five minutes is basically the closest thing he could ever do to make me a believer in Tyson Walker. I mean, that I don't think it's hyperbole to say was a perfect five minutes offensively from Tyson Walker. It was absolutely stunning. It was as dominant of an individual performance that I've seen in college basketball this season. And that's not a joke or exaggeration. That is like as good as the best of Johnny Davis that we've seen. I would argue it was better than the best of Johnny Davis that we've seen. It was possession after possession after possession of Tyson Walker, willing that team into the game, uh, that a game they had no business being in, in my opinion, I thought Illinois thoroughly outplayed them and, was at the point of stick a fork in them, it's done, except for they stuck a fork in them, they hit Tyson Walker, and then Tyson Walker threw the fork out of them and just made mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper with a couple threes mixed in. Um, he's clearly capable. He's clearly capable. He is offensively thought he's offensively skilled enough to score at this level and navigate pick and rolls. We did uh with Spartan Hoops. I, I, back when I was writing some stuff for Spartan Hoops, um, I think DK did the piece, but we were doing the individual preseason player breakdowns and the, the Tyson Walker one, like, actually, no, I did the piece. I don't know why I just attributed that to DK. We did, uh, we looked at numbers from all past point guards in like the past decade and a half for Michigan State, like going back to Kalen Lucas, to Keith Appling, to, uh, I, I don't remember if Denzel was in there, but to Cassius, like all of the good Michigan State point guards were on this list. And we looked at how they scored. We looked at like, was it pick and roll stuff? Was it uh, ISO stuff? How did they get to the, the rim? How did they shoot threes? What do they do? And like, there were similarities between the way Tyson Walker scored at Northeastern and the way Cassius Winston ran ball screen offense at Michigan State. I didn't feel super confident saying like, that's the closest comparison. Um, I actually attributed him more to Kalen Lucas with the way he scored, like a lot of mid range stuff, like mm -hmm. not necessarily pick and roll always, but like, he's, he's a great mid range guy. And Kalen to me, a guy who like ran the point, but also ran a little too in his time at Michigan state. Like mm -hmm. maybe that is not a bad look. Like we saw Tyson Walker play off ball for significant minutes for the first time next to AJ Hogard. 
And looking back now, like that seems like an awesome fit. What do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we, we pointed out in previous episodes, like when you're struggling offensively and you got to find a way to make things work, you got to try some shit. So Tom Izzo tried that two man or the two point guard lineup and it was successful last game. So credit to him for, you know, kind of making that adjustment uh, His back was against the wall, obviously, because we we're down 12 to 15 points the whole game. They had to try something and we weren't really getting much offensively, but just looking at this as an isolated type thing, it it's it's frustrating because I can go back to other games that we had this year. And this isn't the first time that people have guarded Titus and Walker this way. This is just the first time that I think he's actually attacked it in this manner. He had an eye to score. He was coming off aggressively. He was able to, if they gave him the mid range, take it, but also able to get all the way to the basket and do, you know, finish around the hoop, but a lot in the mid range, some three pointers as well. It just, it was a great, it was honestly a clinic on how to run and how to score off the ball screen. I thought, I mean, he was able to pull up when they went under, he was able to get to the mid range, knock down the shot, but what I just don't see what was preventing him from doing this in previous games or looking to score because I've seen games this year where Tyson Walker's had the same type of defense on him and he's been tentative to shoot the ball. But now all of a sudden he wants to shoot the ball. So it's great to see finally. But like one, it comes in a loss, comes for nothing. And two, I wouldn't bet any money that we get any type of performance like this again throughout the season or get Tyson Walker with 10 plus shot attempts. I don't know if it's going to happen. So I I think I push back a little. I'm hoping this is a turning point for him. Um, Really? Okay. I don't I don't think he's going to come close to like the efficiency he did in that five minute stretch again. That was nuts. I mean, that was just like an out of body experience. I'm, I'm, but just, I'm just talking about pure shot numbers and aggressiveness. Like, are I think we're going to see a different guy. I think we're going to see a different guy. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a leading scorer. I don't think we're going to see a lead the team in shot attempts guy, which is again, mm-hmm. kind of, that's the standard I've been evaluating Tyson Walker as, because I thought he should be the guy. Like when you when you go get a transfer point guard that was a leading scorer at a team that by all accounts has the skill set to do that on a team that desperately needs it, like yeah, when you when you see what he can do, of course he should be the guy. And so it's still it's hard to evaluate Tyson Walker in light of that because like, how do you watch what he just did and not be like, that's our starting point guard? Like that's what everyone's been waiting for. That's why it was his job from day one. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get there. I don't know that he'll get there next season. I, I, I mean, you heard the post game quote. That's all you need to know about him to me. And uh, I don't mean to pile on a guy, but like if you go nuclear like that, and the very first thing you do in the post game is walk it back and say, "Well, this is this is why I was able to do that." It's probably never going to happen again. Like, come on, dude, you're you're not you don't have it up here the way that you need to. Um, so, and maybe that works. Maybe he develops more confidence over time. Maybe the, I don't know what the reason would be why he would come out and say that. Uh, I'm sure Michigan state fans will be like, it was honest. It was the way they guarded the ball screens. Like, okay, fine. But like, still there's something to be said about just like, yeah, I was feeling it like this, like I'm a, I'm a look for my shot. I'm a hunt them. Like just go be that guy. But I do think, uh, you know, I'll give Izzo a little credit, a very little, little piece of credit. Um, uh-huh. I, I give him credit because he's clearly playing better off the bench. And I think AJ is playing better in the starting lineup. Like 
kudos, Mm -hmm. kudos for making that move. That seems to be the move at the same time. Like, are we going to give Tom Izzo credit if March 1st Malik Hall starts at the four and Joey Hauser comes off the bench and Joey hits four threes and Malik goes for 20. Like uh, why? Like if, if things happen this late in the season that are good, yeah, sure. Give them credit. Also hold them accountable for the fact that that shit didn't happen the first three months of the season is kind of where my head is at. Like Tyson's been really, really bad. So like now moving Tyson to the bench is like, oh, great job, coach. Like, no, maybe I don't know. Maybe you rode him way too long and this was disastrous anyway. Um, So 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 what you're saying is is Izzo sandbagging, basically. He's sandbagging. I'm not not calling it that. to (laughs) To make some adjustments. I'm not calling it that. I look, I, I think Izzo's done a fine job in uh, totality of this season. And I don't know if Michigan State fans will agree with that. I uh, There's always shit to nitpick with Izzo, always. And just going back to the 2016 season, if you go all the way back to the year after they made the Final Four with Trice and Valentine, which was a fantastic coaching season by him, I think he's underachieved in every season except for the two with upperclassmen Cassius Winston. And he deserves credit because he was doing everything right with those teams. He got robbed of not having a COVID year, his senior year. Um, But like we have a sizable sample size of the last almost full decade now of even his most talented teams. Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson to me was the most talented Michigan state team I've seen in my lifetime. And that team underachieved. I thought they underachieved his freshman year. Like that team snuck into the tournament with Miles Bridges and Josh Langford and Cassius Winston. Um, and if you look at like the rotation breakdowns, it's really similar to this team. They're playing too many guys and it's weird, but in light of specific to this year, Izzo has been fine. This team's not talented cart. The truth of the matter, this might be a brutal thing to hear, but I was saying it after things were going well. And I came across as just like the rival hater, but like, That's why I had Izzo as like coach of the year, potentially at the beginning of the year. This team is not talented. This team does not have one surefire future pro on it. This team does not have one third team, all conference, big 10 guy on it. When is the last time a team has been a lock for the NCAA tournament without even one all conference guy. And like early in the season, certain guys were playing well to the point that we we had real conversations of like, can Marcus Bingham make the NBA? Can Gabe Brown make Mm -hmm. the NBA? Like, them playing that well is credit to them. It's credit to Tom Izzo, but ultimately they're not NBA guys. They, they are, they have no chance at making it at the next level. And you're seeing the reasons why right now, because Gabe Brown can't do anything but spot shoot. He's a really inconsistent player. Uh, Marcus Bingham can't stay on the floor for 20 minutes. He might not love basketball. Like this is just a weird group. And if you are to blame anything for this team it's the recruiting classes they had three straight recruiting classes that have yielded zero lock nba players like it's it's really hard to build a winning team off of that and um you know again give them credit because i thought that they won some games they maybe shouldn't like i think the wins against uconn the wins against loyola still their best wins of the season loyola might not win their conference might not make the ncaa tournament now uconn is the fifth best team in the big East again, like good win, but like those wins aren't what we thought they were at the beginning of the season. And when they've played the best teams in the conference, they've lost because this is not a very talented team. And that's my take. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that was uh, both of ours and kind of everyone's take 
you know, going going into these games where we're going to play better opponents. We're a team that turned the ball over a lot, and we're a team that started out slow. And because of who we were playing, we were able to recover for that. But basically, when you play good teams, NCAA tournament caliber teams, they're going to take advantage of that. And that's what we're seeing now. Um, but we're seeing that also with teams who aren't capable of making the NCAA tournament. I mean, we go back to the Northwestern game, Penn State, even though it's a hard place to play on the road, you blow a lead, things like that happen. So, you know, we, we're just the way I describe Michigan State right now is we're just aggressively OK. Like we're aggressively OK, but we can you know, guys can tap into their potential, maybe play above what they normally play. But if we're just getting what we consistently get, this is a just an, an OK, you know, solid team. Um, that I think Izzo can kind of get the best out of or try to get the best out of. But uh, expectations need to be, you know, reeled back in a little bit. You know, we were feeling really good when we were like 10 to 18 and two. Uh, I forgot what we were in conference, but I think we had one or two losses through, through that point. We were feeling extremely good. But uh, I think we're starting to kind of see who this team is uh, and what they are. And that's just they're they're good. They're OK. Um, they are maybe a sweet 16 team, but right now they're trending more into a first weekend team. Yeah. I don't mean to throw shots, but I'll, I'll take an official stance. They're not a sweet 16 team. If they make a sweet 16, that's a, an all time feather in the cap result for Tom. Really? Yeah. The, this is not a sweet 16 team. I think this is like, this team's probably in the fifties for like how good they are, honestly, in the country. Um, like yeah, I've, when, seen, I, I've seen I've seen worse teams make Sweet Sixteens. Oh, hundred percent. When you get to the NCAA tournament, weird shit can happen. And yeah. Tom Izzo has this look. This is the type of team Tom Izzo's made crazy runs with. That's why he got the nickname Mister March. He's made runs with seven seeds before. Um, he that might Mr. happen. March. I don't know. But here, like, let's just like look at the last month of ball though. Like that's. It, this is now a sustained effort. This isn't like a slump. This isn't like a hope they get out of it. This is six straight games where like you survive. Uh, it's, 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 it's a, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. It's it's the whole conference season. If we're being honest, it's not even a pattern. It's just who they are. Like uh, survive a road win at Maryland, give them credit for gutting that out. But like it, it, if you're in a one possession game at that Maryland team at that time, it's not very good. You get blown out at Rutgers. Uh, you lose at Penn state who, again, I, I downplayed that. I didn't think that was a horrible loss, but that's not a loss. It was a horrible loss. It's a horrible loss. It's not a loss the Sweet 16 team takes. Um, and then you have three home games in that stretch. You lose to the two good ones, Wisconsin and Illinois, both of those games, which to me were never really that close. I know there was a one-possession thing late in Illinois. Thank you, Tyson Walker, but th those games were never really that close. And then you beat Indiana. Like, they, they have one... I, not even a good win, I would say. Like they've had, they've had four opportunities for good wins and they've lost all of them. And give them credit, they've taken care of business against the two bad teams they've played. But like, you look forward, Card. There's five games left on the schedule. I would argue four of the five, the next four on the schedule, would qualify as teams that they've lost to over the last month and a half. Like, are they going on the road to beat Iowa at Carver Hawkeye? I don't think so. Are they beating Purdue at home when Purdue's? playing for a big 10 title i don't think so are they going on the road to beat michigan probably but like <laughs> that's that is not the type of game that they've been winning are they going on the road to beat ohio state probably not like 
those are their next four games. And luckily for them, March 1st hits the day they play Michigan, because again, I'm sure everything will solve itself on the road in Ann Arbor. Um, but like, I, I think there's a reasonable probability here. They go one and three or zero and four in the next four. And if that happens, like what's, what's the narrative, what are we even talking about other than like the wheels have entirely fallen off this Tom Izzo team. Right. And that, that'll, that'll have us probably falling from when we started this slide, probably from a right around the four seed range, we could fall as deep as to like the 12 range, like maybe even like we could. So as long as they win the final game of the year, which is at home against Maryland on senior night, you don't lose that game. Um, as long, no, you don't lose that game. As long as, as long as you win that Michigan state finishes the year 19 and 12, I would think at worst, that's like a nine seed, which is not where you want to be. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to be on the one line if you're this Michigan state team. Um, no, but I, they're safely in the tournament as long as they win literally one game down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, be, best believe if they get to zero and two, zero and three in that stretch, like I may be starting some agendas cart, maybe. Yeah, especially because we're being we're just putting ourselves in a situation that's easily avoidable. Like, just you know, I'm not saying you got to go out and beat the best teams in the Big Ten, but you at least got to beat the teams that are that you're supposed to win. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're putting ourselves in this situation. Yeah. Looking back, like maybe we feel even just a little bit better about this team. If they could just like beat Northwestern <laughs> at home or like with, without Pete and Ants, like, yeah. Uh, get, a game, get beat, beat Illinois on the road when they don't have Kofi. Like, yeah. A couple, couple opportunities know. there. Uh, can we, can we dissect some of the, the post game quotes? Sorry, my dog is barking. I think my wife is getting home and apparently just like standing outside, outside of our window. This could be like a lot more barking incoming. Um, I like that. Benji's taking the role of barking. Instead of, do we have like a bunch of people in our yard right now. What is going on? Should, we, should I be concerned? I might need to. All right, we're back uh, from the timeout. Had a little Christmas light removal incident going on mid-recording. It is what it is. Dog protecting this house. You could say Benji just, just slapped the floor. It's just, it's, it's just February 21st. I mean, look, <laughs> they call me Mr. February, okay? Benji just slapped the floor. My dog, that's what he did. He slapped the floor, and uh, the Christmas lights people still scored. But he's trying to defend. Give him credit. Uh, all right. So I, I, what I wanted to talk about cart was, uh, Izzo's explanation of their game plan in the post game, which was to leave Jacob Grandison, who is quite literally Illinois best three point shooter in the rotation open to double Kofi Coburn. Uh, that was his explanation was our intention was to leave Grandison open and double Kofi. And then he kept hitting those darn shots. Like, I just don't understand. How does, what, what do you expect? Like, if you're going to double off someone, uh, which I don't think is the move against Illinois, first of all, because they have shooters everywhere. But, like, you double off Curbelo whenever he's in the game or you double off maybe DeMonte, DeMonte Williams. Uh, Frazier's the worst guy by percentage, which sounds crazy. He's Frazier's only shooting 33% this year. Like, True. I, everybody else is a 40% shooter, which like I, 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 again, maybe don't double or 
I get like it's Kofi. You probably have to double, but like at the very least, you don't double off Grandison. And I know Grandison had missed a lot of shots lately, but like there's a sizable sample size from his entire career at this point that says that guy's a really, really good shooter. So what did you make of that decision? Yeah, uh, I, I I will go back at you on the whole doubling Kofi thing. I think that you do need to double Kofi because, um, I mean, obviously it's Kofi. Uh, I I would say that I would would have liked to see maybe see if Bingham can cover him one-on-one. That's the thing. Like, I don't think you need to double him right away necessarily because he's shown this year to struggle with length when he's gone against players like Christian Coloco. He struggled with Zach Eady as well. He struggles with length a little bit with guys who can kind of match his, you know, not necessarily mass pause, but like his actual length and width. So can I ask you I this though? Like to see, do, yeah. do, do those guys, I, I feel like those guys, while they have length, they also have strength. Do you think that's part of it? Because I, I don't think Bingham in his minutes, which were few, I don't think Bingham did much to do anything to stop Kofi in this game. No, he did. I'm I'm beginning to grow very concerned with if Bingham wants to even like play for the Michigan State Spartan thing, which which to be honest, like I'm not mad at him for that. Like he's he's a senior and he gets thrown out there for like 15 minutes a game. Like I'd be mad too. I'd be a little upset. I'd be a little in my own head as well. Like, yes, he's not totally excused from not getting major minutes, but also I think that he's earned the right to be the center on this team and get the majority of the center minutes and he's not getting them. And I think it causes issues. So I can see where that could mess with him mentally, but yeah, I, I just don't know if I'm doubling off a guy that's shooting 40% from three and giving him wide open looks to get going. And he hit five of them in the first half. Yeah. Like that's just, that's inexcusable. And so a the- lot of them were open too. A lot of them were very open, and then you let a guy like get going, wide. and then he hits some crazy ones. But I mean, you, you you've seen guys hit some crazy ones when they get going like that. Uh, it's a tough spot to be in. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm not here standing for Marcus Bingham to play 30 minutes anymore, like I was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I still think he needs to play 20 every single game, be, and that's not mm-hmm. because Marcus Bingham's playing well. That's because Marcus Bingham is all you have, and. Julius Marble has played great for Julius Marble. Don't get me wrong. Julius Marble is a very good bench big in the Big Ten. But if Julius Marble is your center, you're in major trouble. And right now, Julius Marble is the only good center Michigan State has. Uh, I was just lambasted by Michigan State fans. Car, do you like that verb? Lambasted. I was just I was just thrown to the fire a month and a half ago for saying I didn't like how Tom Izzo handled Marcus Bingham and that uh like th- this was going to have damaging effects on Marcus Bingham. It's basically what I said. And Cart, tell me if I'm wrong, but ever since Tom Izzo went to the post game and publicly questioned Marcus Bingham's effort, uh, Marcus Bingham has not been the same guy. Yeah, he 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 seems a little broken. Like he, I, I think he I think he's had enough. And uh, again, I was told at the time Tom Izzo knows better than anyone how to handle Marcus Bingham. Do we do we really think Tom Izzo's handled Marcus Bingham well this season? Like. No. What are we supposed to do with that? I The guy's broken. He's in his senior year, and he's showed signs of being an all-Big Ten player for the first month of the year, and now he's broken. I don't know what to make of that. Blame probably belongs to Marcus Bingham. I think blame also belongs to the coaching staff. Uh, Marcus Bingham Sr. would certainly agree with that. He's been very active, uh, liking a lot of criticisms of the Michigan State coaching staff. So 
it is what it is. Tough spot. Uh, and again, kind of just comes back to the roster problems you have, Cart. Like they they left what two scholarships available this season. Could have gone to the portal and got a center. Could have gone to the portal and gotten a backup wing who can take minutes from Max Christie and Gabe Brown when they're 0 for 12 combined in games. Um, I don't know. Weird, weird spot and a weird way to handle this roster heading into the season for me. Yeah. And, uh, it, but this is the bed that, you know, whatever that phrase is, like you made the bed, now you got to lay in it. So this is who, this is who we got. Unfortunately, like it's like, it's February 21st. We ain't making no trades. This is college basketball. This is who we have. This is who we're rolling with. So, you know, the, the adjustments that Izzo made by putting two point guards in, like that's shit we got to try. Like good you got to try shit. Like, yeah, good adjustment on him. Like you got to try some shit to make it happen. So kudos to him for doing that. Um, so we'll see where this season goes. You know, I think that the, it is a positive sign that Izzo is making some adjustments. Maybe those adjustments get to a point where we get maybe like a Molly call start, or I don't know, <laughs> basically finds the right formula for this team. Like what, what is going to work? And maybe we get aggressive Tyson Walker because we need him. If we're not going to get any scoring from Cormac, we're not going to get any scoring from Gabe. We got to get some buckets from somewhere else. And it has to be Tyson. Yeah. I, uh, who else, I just, who else would it be? I nobody, but that's, that's why I think this team's like the 50th best team in the country and why I don't think they're going to win an NCAA tournament game. Like I Malik Hall as, as good as Malik Hall has been lately. And I, I, I still think he's Michigan state's best player. Don't get me wrong, but like Malik Hall has been fantastic. And then Malik Hall no shows a game like Illinois completely. So like, mm-hmm. I, even the good Malik Hall, this is a question I posed over the weekend. Like even the good Malik Hall, if he's the best player on this Michigan state team, if Malik Hall is your best player, aren't you like the seventh or eighth best team in this conference? Like just off talent alone. Like if Malik Hall is your star, like you're not a good team in the big 10 this year. And that's no shots at Malik Hall, but like that's why it's hard for me to evaluate this roster as like underachieving because Malik Hall, you don't know what you're getting any given night. And even his best is like 16 and six. Like there's a lot of teams that have better stars that can carry you to wins than this Michigan state team does. And again, in order for them to win, they have to have a bunch of guys contributing. They've done that in their wins this season. They've had to have a bunch of guys contributing even in some of their like close losses and close games. Like there's just no margin for error on a roster that has zero all big 10 players and zero future pros It's a tough spot. It is. But I also think that right now, like you said, Malik Hall is our best player. And I'm not necessarily saying he's on the star level, like guys who carry teams, like, you know, the, the key, you know, the key ends, the EJs, the guys like that, that are just carrying teams and being the best players on this team. Uh, he's not to that level. I don't think he'll ever get to that level, to be honest with you. But he can get to a level where he is one of the, you know, stars of the Big Ten, I would say, as a whole conference. Just not right now as this year. But right now, he is our best player. And we're a team struggling, so you might as well just ride with your best player. Yeah. Like, why not? Very true. Um, all right, I've done this to you a couple of times before, but we'll end with this cart. I want you to close your eyes. You, you already went there. I don't know if you knew I was going there or not, but you were you were right there for uh, me. I I'm that. just having a I'm just I'm just having a lost four of our lost four out of our last five moment, and it's just like hitting me. I want you to close your eyes, 
And I want you to envision a world where this Michigan State roster makes a final four. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me what you see. Shit, I see darkness. I don't, there's, we're not making. Oh, do it! You, I'm, I'm forcing you to do this it, they, because there is a world as as down as I am on this group. There is a world, a world where this team makes the final four. I, I, it's going to sound like I'm kidding, but Mr. March, man, okay, like right, he's, he's taking worse me... teams. I think further. Okay, what's it look this. like? What does it look like? Right. First, it starts off like this: the rotation is eight, eight players. Okay, we're getting 20 minutes minimum of Marcus Bingham. We're getting Malik Hall starting. We are getting one or the other of Cormac or Gabe to be a uh, above 45% three-point shooter efficiently as well. Uh, And we are getting, let's see, as a final four team, to be honest with you, I think we're getting a majority with AJ Hogar in minutes and Tyson coming off the bench and being a scorer. But the majority of the point guard minutes will go to AJ Hogard. And I think if we can do that, then we could somehow find a way to make a final four. But that is the most unlikely scenario that I just laid out for you after the first statement I said that we would be playing eight guys, nine guys maybe, and Marcus Bingham gets 20 minutes. So their, their dies our final four dream. Look, weirder shit has happened. Worst teams have made runs. Uh, got to have some luck. Got to have some some bracket luck, I would say, and then got to take care of business. But I don't know. Tyson Walker doing what he did for those five minutes could be a turning point. We have to wait and see. We'll uh, we'll see how this week goes. It, Very it could tough be, games. But Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo and Tyson told us it's not. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh I don't know who had a worse post game presser this week. If it was, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was Tyson or Tom Izzo or Juwan Howard. It was very close. But uh, anyways, Cart, this was fun. Uh, you can listen to Unscripted on the field of 68. Uh, presented by Bet Rivers. We are Sleepers Media. Follow us at Sleepers Media. And uh, we will be back next week to break down, hopefully, a turnaround for the Michigan State Spartans. Everyone say goodbye. Bye, Shades. I might never see you again. <laughs>